This is Office Magazine's podcast, I'm Somniami, and this episode is hosted by Perla Haney-Jardine, an artist, designer, and fashion archivist studying at the Cooper Union. So I wrote this almost a full month after New York Fashion Week 2021, but am reading and recording it five months after New York Fashion Week, which at this point is feeling like a bizarre and uneventful fever dream. I only say uneventful because Fashion Week is always particularly uneventful for me. I went to exactly three events, a store opening in Soho, uh, this loud, crowded after party in the Lower East Side, and a fashion show that took place on the sidewalk outside of Cafe Forgot. Um, At least, though, everybody was dressed up enough to make it deeply interesting. And that, to me, is always the best thing about Fashion Week, is that dressing becomes rapidly competitive. I shot my best shot at good outfits, wearing pre-1920s vintage all week, everywhere, despite the above 80s temperatures. Uh, I remember the after party was particularly grueling and hellish and hot in this corded jacket from the 1890s that has like this incredible shredded decay around the shoulders and armpits. I was wearing it because I figured that if I wasn't wearing the coolest outfit in the room or the coolest garment in the room, at least I was wearing the oldest and I believe that that should count for something. My interest in old clothing is actually one of the things that led me into fashion in the first place. I've been buying vintage since I can remember, but have uh, just recently started to research appraise, sell, and collect it a couple years ago. I have a pretty substantial collection of clothes now dating from the mid-1800s to last year, and they're all just stuffed into like every little opening and cranny in my Lower East Side apartment. But the really important stuff is hung on clothing racks and moderately organized. A few days post-Fashion Week, I went to Brooklyn to interview Raul Solis, who is the founder and a designer of the New York label LRS. The first thing I noticed was that his showroom and studio were shockingly, impeccably clean. And this penchant for detail and neatness is incredibly apparent in his latest collection for LRS. The clothes are all alarmingly precise without being clinical, and lucky for me, they're rich with historical references that manage to retain a contemporary sharpness. There is a red mini dress with big Victorian-style mutton sleeves that descend into tight cuffs with these big oval 60s retro-futurism cutouts. My favorite piece that I saw was a gray acid-washed denim skirt with two big cutouts in the front that didn't erase any evidence of 80s style, but transformed and transcended it completely. The most exciting thing for me about my visit with Raul was that every garment I saw made references to the past, but seemed to belong in an era that I couldn't identify. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. My name is Raul Solis. I'm the designer of LRS, and we're about to dig into my spring-summer 22 collection. <laughs> we are in Brooklyn. Yeah, we are in Brooklyn in my studio. Uh, and uh... <laughs> it's uh, right right after Fashion Week. Right up, Yeah, right after Fashion Week. Um, how are you feeling? I'm good. I feel yeah. really good about the collection. Um, exhausted. Exhausted. That's, <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but uh, I'm happy to do this. So. <laughs> no, me too. I'm really excited. Yeah. I, like I said, I'm like just around 19th century clothing like all day. So it's like, oh, no. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, it's really, it's a good feeling. And I'm really excited about what I see here, um, especially because there are so many like great nods to real vintage. Like it's so apparent when you get up close to the clothes that you have done like real observation and real research. Um, Yeah, I would love if you want to just like maybe pick a couple pieces to talk about in depth that you think would be good segues into the rest of the collection well yeah i mean you know we you mentioned 17th and 18th century sort of references um and the reason why they came to be were to sort of have a vocabulary on romance which happens to be one of the themes or inspirations for the spring summer collection i think that those happen to be my favorite too it's just the research part of it was really good mm-hmm. and to really then um research the garments and um, get my interpretation on them. So I'm not trying to recreate Mm -hmm. exactly a vintage Victorian or Edwardian um, garment, but I am trying to sort of have my LRS take on it, really. Right. Um, So, yeah, like uh, there's the bishop sleeves that are sort of the bigger volume pieces. So there's this red dress. Um, that has massive bishop sleeves attached to it, and it's just a mini dress. The idea comes from women's uh, women's sleepwear, Victorian mm-hmm. women's sleepwear. But obviously, this is not something you would sleep on <laughs> in. Um, so it's a massive bishop sleeve that sort of tapers at the bottom with a sort of cutout on your wrist, and 
you really have to unbutton it completely and button it to get back in it. So there's no zipper. It is really sort of... Well, that's very vintage. <laughs> yeah. That's very, like, that's very true to period. Yeah. So um, there's no zippers. There's uh, self ties to sort of mm-hmm. um, hold into the to the to the either the neckline or the sleeves and uh, self cover buttons to get yourself into a little nice summer dress. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's super bold, uh, yeah. wild. Again, probably a color that I'm, I'm sure a color that's not used in that era. But again, it is something that I wanted to sort of have my take on it, so it doesn't feel necessarily like I'm reproducing vintage right so i'll just describe it a little bit it's like a short kind of tight little red dress with beautiful covered buttons all down the front which means it can like button open completely completely yeah and then these insane bishop sleeves and the ends of the sleeves actually hang lower than the dress which i think is my favorite detail (laughs) of the piece there's also this kind of nearly detached uh, ruffled collar and all of these like really great ties that are like half decorative, half functional. It seems like. Is there a detail in this that really takes it over the top for you? Like what? I think the gesture of dressing yourself in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, obviously the piece and the design of it, but I think that when we started dressing models and realizing, I mean, this is a piece that you probably need help getting into. Uh, You know, there's like at least eight ties that need to get tied, both front, back. Um, There's like like really tight sleeves that you probably need someone to like button it at the Mm -hmm. end. Buttoning like so many, but I think there's like 48 buttons or something like uh, throughout the whole garment. so it really was more of the gesture of dressing mm-hmm. and, or getting or having someone dress you, yeah. which sort of, again, goes back to some of those pieces, you know, uh, of that era. Right, right. I know. I think that that's a really smart, subtle nod to the inspiration. Yeah. I don't know. When I'm putting on, like, some of the really old garments I have, I, like... You're like, how? It becomes very clear to me that women used to hire people to dress just them. to put their clothes yeah. on. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need um, like four people. Yeah, exactly. So this is obviously, it seems like an easy summer dress, but mm-hmm. it is sort of a gesture to that. And and there's um there's like the white top that you pulled earlier, right. which is more like a, a men's sort of sleeping gown that has been recreated to sort of like a gossy linen um, top. Obviously, mm. now this has, again, the, the back self-tight closures, but this is something that maybe you could do yourself. Right. Maybe. <laughs> right. It's a little bit easier, so there's a, it feels a little bit more modern in that take. What's the material around the... So um, this is a cotton sleeves. gauze that's okay. been, like, pleated. Um, and so that, instead of doing a ruffle, then we pleated it a gauze to sort of create uh-huh. them. I love this piece. Thanks. I really love yeah. it. Yeah, so it's like a two-tone um, linen and gauze um, sleeveless shirt. So when you design, what's where do you start? What's your first step on a garment usually? I think, you know, I, I start with garments. Um, so I have ideas of things that I want to create. And then I sort of put start sketching. And once I start sketching, then 
stories start coming out, then I'm like, oh, okay, like interesting. Like, so for this, I really started with like deconstructing ruffles. So like this sort of micro mini, or like it's not a micro mini, but like a mini um, mm-hmm. that has just these ruffles that sort of are frayed and now hanging that they're like yeah. not even attached to it anymore. And sort of started to really think about like, why am I going, going towards all these sort of romantic ideas of wardrobe? Um, and so with research comes like, you know, you start building within the inspiration. And so it, I started to really focus on like, okay, I want to make sure that it's youthful and let's look at like notions of romance. And that sort of, again, opened up the idea of like thinking of all these love stories. And I was like, oh my God, can you imagine these teens like, you know, that were like stuck in quarantine, not being able to like see their like, infatuated first love (laughs) and then the summer opens up and then there they go running around being inseparable in the city and like torn worn romantic clothes and that sort of like was like oh my god and that sort of kept building and building and building and um yeah so like there's like you know a slogan it's more commercial stuff that says like hardcore lover um again to sort of drive in that story of romance i love the thought of the kind of like forlorn teens in lockdown (laughs) and I when you say that I get kind of like a sense of melodrama yeah yeah totally like that when you know the story is comical and like kind of cute but then when you look at the clothes like they're so serious and well they're not serious but they're more they're easier to, t- to take seriously. Right, I right, don't right. know, but then there's like that latent sense of humor, which I think is really sweet. Yeah. That's such a, that's such <laughs> a funny thought, the quarantined lovers. <laughs> oh my gosh, so you start with garments as opposed to like looks, would you say? Like usually, yeah, so maybe I'm like design with separates in mind. Right. Well, so or like a no, I mean, it could it could start with a dress, but I do just start with like a, an idea of a silhouette or a garment. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of builds everything. Um, yeah, like this dress, like, you know, like we're looking at like started playing with feathers. Wow. Um, and so it's like, oh, like, how can I interpret feathers without, like, I mean, I've used literal feathers in it, mm-hmm. but like, I, for this dress was like, oh, like, I really want to make this butterfly dress, but without actually using feathers. So here comes like a pleated oh. sort of um, tool-like fabric, I would say, you know, more like, I, I don't know, like a pleated poly yeah. tool. And that has this iridescent purple to it. And it just builds into like a 3D almost... Um, butterfly shape. What is it? Um, what's inside of it? It's like a like hard tool. Yeah, it's like yeah. a hard tool to sort of hold its shape. Wow. Yeah, but so when it's like fully like worn, you could sort of see the shape of it. Just oh. Like... Wow, that's incredible. And is it pretty moldable? Uh, well, it just sort of sits back. It just sits? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I really like this one too. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. And then proposing, you know, things of like, um, volumes, more modern volumes, like this sort of balloon dress um, mm-hmm. that is, it's in like in a, in a taffeta that's just yeah. like super lightweight, but also creates such big dramatic volume. Um, and it's been chained, like the cape has been chained in. 
So how do you think this collection departs from your old work? Like what to you is kind of like the most strikingly different about these clothes than things you've done in the past? It's a good question. Um, I think that I'm driving, I think that the historical, the real historical nods to it. I mm. tend to be a more modernist Yeah. Um, with my design, which is still pretty modern. But, you know, like I think that now when I look at it, there's obvi- those, those obvious references of, of vintage, which, yeah. yeah. I think it's newer for me. Well, I think that they lend themselves really well to your point of view. I mean, especially like what I'm really drawn to is is the negative space and kind of the very modern shapes that you're creating, like within these historical silhouettes. Like suddenly there's just like a big kind of almost like retro future space age almost right, looking right. like oval cutout that to me is so interesting in the context of like a bishop sleeve right exactly yeah and, and, and i well i'm glad that you're seeing that because that's exactly what i wanted to do with it yeah. you know to sort of mix my sense of modernity and then like marrying it with these ideas and i am saying just ideas of Victorian wear because I'm not again I'm like not trying to recreate right, it. Right, right, right. And you you don't you definitely don't. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> you no. So, want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. 
These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Pat, like, I mean, I definitely see the vintage, but I want to know about kind of the other inspirations behind this and maybe the inspiration that's more consistent with the rest of your of your work yeah so I, again like it's like a lot of black I do a lot of black and I do a lot of sort of sleek modern um, lines yeah so this is sort of like a little broad cut out top that has these like gorgeous sort of curved lines yeah. and it's just about the line and the shape and, and the fit so like it comes to be extremely like modern and new when you see it all put together so yeah. this is the top and it comes with a matching skirt. I'm in art school, so I can't help myself. But, like, <laughs> I see the way that these are styled. Like, I, I almost, like, see the logic of an illustrator. Uh-huh. Like, I see a lot of thoughts about composition and also, like, a lot of kind of collage mentality. For sure. In the overlapping. And, like, there's so much attention to the negative space and to, like, layering. Right, right. I don't know. I, I like there's a very. Yeah, I, I see. I see the collage. I mean, collage is always. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. something I definitely do. Like, it, I mean, it's that idea of getting something so modern and then make, and collaging it with something old and then mixing in youth culture that ha- that right. that don't relate to both high ideas of design and old ideas of vintage really you know yeah so it's all that feeling right. of all that but it's still there's still like a really kind of impressive amount of restraint which kind of takes it from i don't know it prevents it from being just like an interesting juxtaposition and right, it, right. like it turns it into kind of a new point of view and then when you look like you can break it down into those elements but at the same time it kind of you know, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts or whatever. Nice. Well, <laughs> you know what they say. Yeah. So did you grow up making clothes? Like, can you tell me a little bit about like the very, very beginnings yeah. of this passion? Um, so I, I mean, I kind of did. Yeah. So I, I come, I'm, I come from a very large Mexican family and so all my family still lives in LA um, is that where you're from? Uh, I was born in Mexico, but grew up in L.A. Okay. from like two years on. So okay. pretty much L.A. Yeah. is home. I was me. born in Brazil, but I yeah. moved to the States when I was three. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, it yeah, feels like it's so, you know. Yeah, it's so I'm like strange. from Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, I, uh, yeah, my entire family at one point, not now, but at one point, they were all working in the industry in some weird way or another. Well, there was like pattern making or like quality control or owning their own factories. And so... Mostly uh, in production then? Mostly production, yeah. Um, And then... I mean, I was surrounded by it every day. It was like mm-hmm. on the like on the dinner table. It was right. like conversations of we're having an issue with this fabric, or oh, you know, this is going to be running yeah. late, or so. I was so surrounded by it. But um, 
growing like growing up as like a, a young teen I, my first reaction was like I do not want to be involved in this. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> I want to rebel and do my own thing. Yeah. I didn't know what it was, but <laughs> I just knew that fashion was not something I wanted to jump into, but only for the sake of like being against what right. my family were mm-hmm. doing. Um, and, uh, and I, I started so like, you know, all my Halloween costumes were like sewn by my like sister, by my mom. Like, yeah, yeah. so like I started being around the sewing machine like really early. I think started sewing like around seven or eight, but not obviously not garments like these. Right. It's just like random little test things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and then carried on my sewing throughout my middle school and high school. And I would start making clothes for my friends in high school, like prom, like their prom yeah. dresses or things like that. Do you, do you like, do you still remember those dresses? Oh my God. Yes, 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 yes. Some of them were like horrible. And some of them I'm like, okay, well that's kind of cool. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah. And so then, you know, then I really love the idea more of like the, artistic vision of it which I didn't have for my family they were more in the production part of it so and then I started realizing that there's this whole side of it once I was like being more aware of of magazine culture of stylists and like really creating these beautiful looks um versus just producing garments um and so when I really started to pay attention to that, that's when I realized that I was like, oh, I, I, this is something I really want to be doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then I went to school, did some school and then, yeah. And then, um, then started working in the industry. For what co- was your first job, like official fashion job? job. So I was working, I was in LA. So mm-hmm. LA has a huge denim, uh, luxury denim business, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, the premium denim. Right. And so when I started, it was seven for all mankind, but it was like, they were so small, like, I mean, tiny. And I was working with them and grew with them for five years. The company grew so massive, yeah. like everyone was wearing them. And I sort of like, grew with the company and like different positions mm-hmm. within the company I designed menswear womenswear sportswear I mean because the company was growing so fast and um yeah and after five years I I always wanted to live in New York so then I was like I think it's time the company sold to like a huge corporate sort of environment um oh, and i was okay. like i think this is probably the time where i just like step away yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like i did what i had to do like i learned so much and yeah five years then i just stepped away took a year off to sort of focus my my ideas and what i wanted to do and moved to new york and then um yeah like three months after living in new york Francis schooler called me they had found out that i had moved to um to New York and mm-hmm. they were tr- trying to look for a designer for to do their denim and okay somehow they found out they through mutual friends or something mm-hmm. they found out that I had moved here and then said if I was interested and I mean of course right. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you say no you know um yeah and uh it was cool I met with them got like you know got the job and started their denim business i literally from zero to like it's a full startup of denim wow yeah. that's amazing so it's really cool the only skinny jeans i like that i have <laughs> really yeah. oh no way yeah. I, oh man i made them <laughs> yeah, i'm sure you did they're that's the a... only ones i like so 
<laughs> that, <laughs> that's so cool. Well, that's really nice. I'm to very hear. picky when it comes to achievements. <laughs> so you're willing, you know, try mine now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then after Prince, then um, another four and a half years with them. Um, yeah. Then I was like, I need to start my own thing. And five years now doing this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, what were what was like the first year like can you kind of describe like the intensity of starting your own business and trying to pick that up like off uh, the ground? well yeah you know I, I mean I it was a portfolio project so I okay. like I worked on it as a as a portfolio project because I wanted to then bridge away from denim mm. my, my portfolio was looking so heavy on denim right and I was like well I'm I'm able to design other things and I mm-hmm. just don't want to get stuck doing denim forever. And so I did a portfolio project and it went like I put it online and then it just stylists started pulling from it and pulling from it. And it was like landing in magazines and I was like, okay, cool. And that was my first collection. I didn't sell anything. It was just sort of press. Right. And then um I was I was like on a year's retainer, so I couldn't like do anything other than my own personal work. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Like, let me just then do another collection. And then the other collection then was picked up by, a, like, they gave me they gave me opportunity to put a show with Milkmaid back in the day. Yeah. So Milk sponsored like my first sort of presentation, and that sold. And I was like, wow. okay, okay, so then I'm just gonna like continue. Yeah. And five years now, like, still, still, still trying. Yeah. Um, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been wild, and just like Monday, like you know, I like I got, I got invited to the Met Prize preview, and one of my mm-hmm. dresses is like on like display on the gala, and I'm or at the exhibit, and I'm like, oh my god, how did I get? Like, how is this even a, yeah. real? Like, you know, it's so wild to think of it as like a whole. Well, now right. that I'm talking to you, to think about it as a whole sort of like full career from like first job to like now, I'm just like, that's crazy. Right, <laughs> right, because it's, you know. And I hadn't really like, because I've been like, I don't think of like, well, you know, like, where you, what was my first job exactly, <laughs> until someone right. sort of brings it up. But. No, especially if you're in fashion, you just want to forget jobs. Yeah, it's been a wild um, sort of week. <laughs> so how, how did this last fashion week compare to your first? I feel much more confident. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Um, I think there was like a lot of edge and angst on my first fashion week because mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're building an identity for a brand. And so you're right. sort of walking in sort of like black space, trying to just put ideas together right. that feel personal. And I'm sure I'm going to continue to evolve, but it feels like I'm it feels a little bit more comfortable and easy to sort of design into an idea because it's been sort of pretty well set for the, for the last couple of years, you know? So I feel much more at ease doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) How has that confidence changed your point of view as a designer? I don't know if it's really changed it. I think that the garments feel easier mm. you know yeah. um like easier to wear. i mean obviously not not, not the red dress but like <laughs> mo- like uh, like like i would say like 70 percent of this rack is like jeans and knitwear and t-shirts yeah. and things so it feels easier it doesn't feel like i'm doing like these sort of 
very loud, get to see me sort of garments. Right. They just feel a little bit more like real clothes. Yeah. I mean, that definitely comes across in okay. these pieces. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you make these? Um, well, I'll talk about them for a second. Yeah. They're, what fabric is this? It's like a, a it's satin. Like a satin, yeah. yeah. So there are these amazing satin pants, two pairs, and then one long satin coat with diagonal stripes, green and light blue. And then they have these like incredible big black, like almost look like Sharpie scribbles. <laughs> Did you make this print? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Stripe is a sort of like a, a print that I sort of always kind of go back to for for LRS. I, it just seems like a cool not to... There's so many. Th- I mean, it's just such such a classic sort of mm-hmm. print for me, right. and I really love it. So I did a candy stripe print, which is like a diagonal print, right. and then um, while we were doing it, I, I, I again, I was looking. I like through the collection. I was looking at the work of Tracy Emin and like how sort of hand tactile feel, and I was like, oh, I want like the stripe to kind of have that feeling mm-hmm. of almost like you know really hand done. Right, and so that's how the black squiggle, <laughs> scribble came to it. It's just like it feel, also it just feels so youthful and like oh my god, I'm gonna write on my clothes or you know like exactly. you know like getting yeah. your jeans and just sort of like going hard on it. Just like I mean, I remember doing that in high school, like just oh, like yeah. complete my oh, shoes, yeah. like my shoes were all written up on. It. Me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, was like, really, I did not have a single item of clothing that I didn't just destroy. Exactly. So I wanted to have that feeling uh an elevated feeling of that yeah i don't know i like that because it's it's obviously like built into the print but it feels like a it feels like somebody like made a mistake with the stripes yeah yeah but i like i think that that makes it really like fun yeah (laughs) i really love this print thanks it's in black and white too and i especially love the black and white yeah so it's like um I, i there's a lot of like I always have like a little bit of punk references to it, whether it's with casting or things. Um, so I wanted to do like a sort of like skinny black and white stripe. Yeah, <laughs> but obviously, yeah. like, you know, a little, again, it's trousers and not necessarily a jean or. But yeah. Definitely. I see a lot of punk and I mean, obviously, like, I see a lot of hip hop and yeah, a lot yeah. of like street style. Street for too. sure. Yeah. And. Where does that come from? Like, I want to hear about those influences a little bit. I think, I mean, subculture as a kid yeah. that, like, lived through that. Like, you right. know, I'm sure a lot of, like, art kids or people interested in, in, in sort of design and art. Sort of, like, we feel the sense of being, like, outcast. And then mm. we find other outcasts. And then we find then that there's this whole subculture just yeah. like interest in your like ideas of it and so I've always like I've always cast it that way I've always obviously lived my life that way still mm-hmm. and like um so and a lot of that comes from street you know just yeah. like full streetwear street culture um and and yeah since the beginning since LRS has been that like idea of of subculture uh in in one way or another again uh I get these inspira- like the inspirations from these pieces, but I don't try to recreate them. I just try right. to build on them. Right. Or my romanticized idea of them, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely apparent. And there are so many garments here that are like, they have a little bit of all of it. Yeah. And like I said, but they still like, that's not how you see them when you first look at them. They stand right. on their own, which is really lovely. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's really nice. This dress is so good. I can't stop, like, the magic. So you're feeling exhausted still yes. from Fashion Week. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Like I said, I went to, like, maybe two events, and I'm like, ugh. I know. <laughs> so I can't imagine how you feel. Was there a moment of stress that stood out? Like, were there any moments that were just, like, uh, oh, totally... Yeah, I mean, it, I think the weekend was just intense. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like it was releasing it and then um, prepping for sales. And then that all happened within two days. And mm-hmm. then um, having to go to the Met and then the emotion of just like seeing that there. Yeah. And then like I had already planned to go to some of my friends shows, which I never get to do because like, either I'm doing my own show mm-hmm. and this time I had that extra little time and so then I was like running from one event to like the other and it just felt like today felt like the most sort of like calm even though I'm like in a computer like trying to get this out to the showroom but like it it just feel like at least calm quiet and like I have no one texting me like you know or yeah so it feels a little little more relaxing when okay so when your work walks down the runway, do you feel a sense of completion? Or are you the kind of person that, like, thinks that things are never finished? Oh, yeah, definitely thinks. You're that? Yeah, yeah I'm definitely that person. <laughs> when clothes walk down the runway, you don't feel a sense of right, completion. Right, right, right. Yeah, because there's just so many variables that sort of happen when having a show that don't go the way you sort of planned it. Yeah. Right. And so that's probably why um, maybe when we're bigger and bigger budgets and things are a little bit better, then you're able to control it a bit much better. And then it'll probably feel a little bit more complete. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but it is very exciting. And there and there is a layered of um, sort of um, yeah, just a different layer that it gets added to the clothes when you actually see it walk the runway where like mm-hmm. you normally don't get in a lookbook format because it's right. so still and there, there it might be the way that the model walked in it. It might be the stress of getting it on backstage, yeah. <laughs> you know, that you're just like, oh, my God, now I see this dress completely different or I see this piece completely different just because of the experience of a show mm-hmm. that you don't get in a lookbook. Yeah, I think, well, the like the last question I have for you, which is kind of a big one, is what advice would you have for people who are in like that that burgeoning stage of their passion, who are kind of just, you know, like in a in a spot that everybody who works in a creative industry was once in, where they're like just starting to take themselves seriously and who want to end up, you know, in this position someday? I, you know, it's it's one that's been said for so many times, but it's so true. It's um, just keep doing it. No matter what it is, no matter how many doubts, no matter how tired, no matter how unseen you might feel, do it because it's about self-expression before you even get to a point of like being a full brand or like being a full, you know, it's just, 
it, it, you have to do it for yourself、yeah. to get it out because otherwise, you can't just sit back and and want to do it.、Mm. You know, I feel like just the, the pure sake of doing the work、uh, leads you somewhere. Yeah, well, and I think that. That's the only way to grow. Yeah. So even if you don't like an idea,、yeah. like make it. Make it. Well, you know, even for most of us, and and like I feel like working through such a horrible time in America, like、mm-hmm. like COVID and and BLM and um, you know, like all these sort of like the presidential election, how stressful、yeah. that was. I mean, like and get and like trying to be creative through all that, and you're just like. I'm just making clothes. Like, why am I、right. doing this? Like, there's so many massive issues. But if if we didn't get up and do it, and just physically do it, then we would probably collapse out of like depression. You know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's about just do it. Get up. Do it. Do it. Do it. And somehow, some way, something will happen, and it will click. And hopefully, one day we'll all be successful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This has been an episode of Office Magazine's podcast, which is creative directed by Sam Niami. That's me. This episode was hosted by Perla Haney Jardine and produced by Sam Niami and Perla Haney Jardine. This episode was engineered, sound edited, and scored by our head of sound Neil Madala. This podcast is presented by Office Magazine and distributed by Acast. Thanks for listening. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition, and it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J U V E D E R M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit juvederm.com. That's J U V E D E R M dot com.